Thank you for listening to TMA's Practice Well podcast. TMA, helping you improve the health of all Texans. Hello, I'm Cheryl Kroviak. I'm the director of the TMA Education Center and produce the TMA Practice Well podcast, where through CME to go and actionable quick tips, we strive to provide physicians a reliable resource to help your practice thrive. My guest today is Tony Bertolino and Troy Bauer, two healthcare attorneys that have a lot of experience helping physicians when dealing with the Texas Medical Board. And they're going to share some quick tips to avoid complaints with the TMB. Welcome, Tony and Troy. Tell us a little bit about yourself. And Tony, let's start with you. So um, we're attorneys, as you know, and of course, we're going to have notices. So I wanted to present this caveat real quick to everybody. And so everyone understands that it is not intended to constitute legal advice and, and does not create an attorney-client relationship whatsoever. It's purely informational. Of course, any legal information that we provide is just that. But when it starts blurring over towards providing legal advice, that's where we ourselves are going to have to protect our license and make sure the bar doesn't come after us. My name is Tony Bertolino. I'm an attorney based in Austin. I am the managing partner and founder of the Bertolino Law Firm. And we are a law firm that helps license holders, particularly physicians, help defend their license when their licenses are under attack by the Texas Medical Board. And we also help applicants and candidates for licensing as well. So I've been doing this a little over 20 years now. And again, I'm very delighted, both of us delighted to be here. I'm going to let uh, Troy introduce himself. Good morning, everyone. Again, thanks for having us here. My name is Troy Bollier. I'm the Director of Legal Services at Bertolino, and I've been practicing law for over 18 years. And my background has actually been on the other side of the table as a state regulator and did that for about 16 years and really learned a lot and enjoyed that. And for the past year and a half now, I've been enjoying the opportunity of helping uh, license holders defend their livelihood and their reputation. So we're really excited to be here and appreciate the time. And hopefully you'll find something helpful to take away. All right. And again, welcome. At TMA's annual conference, TexMed 2023, this past May, you gave a presentation and pointed out that there was a significant decline in complaints in TMB action during COVID. And now, post-pandemic, the TMB has really ramped up efforts to issue complaint notices. Is this because of a focus on a particular issue? Um, what we have found is that they're looking now at the use of technology, uh, the use of telemedicine technology, for instance, because at the height of the COVID pandemic, physicians were using those more often than not in very high rates. And, of course, in 2017 is when, uh, around the time when telemedicine and the, the statute began permitting this kind of patient-physician relationship and treatment. You know, after the pandemic, we found that because of that, a lot of physicians were doing it wrong. They weren't truly complying with the laws, particularly during the pandemic. And, of course, they were in that safe zone because now, you know, being in the middle of the pandemic, there was an urgent need to keep physicians working and to protect the public. Uh, now that we're in a post-pandemic world, that's not the case. So that's the reason why this topic is of particular importance uh, to, uh, to physicians. Many practices pivoted during the pandemic to offer telemedicine visits. And for some, integrating telehealth services, they already had this planned and in the works. And for others, it was more a sink or swim change. 
So with a focus on technology and telemedicine, what are some quick tips and best practices to steer clear of trouble with the TMB? Um, is uh, really three issues. Um, compliance, first with the minimum legal requirements providing telemedicine services to patients, uh, records retention that's required by law, and compliance with prescription laws. First, uh, the standard of care. You know, what are the expectations of the standards of care required when employing a telemedicine or implementing a telemedicine kind of procedure in your office? Well, the standard of care is, is quite frankly the same. It is the standard of what a reasonable, ordinary physician would do under those similar circumstances. So that doesn't change whatsoever just by the use of telemedicine. And of course, the, the process procedures and practices that physicians have in order in place to meet the minimum requirements is also what we'll discuss uh, next. Uh, the notice to the patients, you know, what sort of notice obligation do physicians have to their patients? And according to uh, the administrative code, section 174.4, uh, it requires the physicians to comply with the HIPAA requirements, the privacy practices, and the preservation of privacy. And this is supposed to take place prior to the treatment, even if you are meeting with a patient through telemedicine technology. And there, of course, the complaint procedures must also be provided to the patient as well. There's going to be a need to provide uh, notices of how to file a complaint to the Texas Medical Board, and that needs to be provided in the website, for instance, or other uh, written intake materials that you provide to your patient. And, uh, of course, it's got to also be uh, both in English and Spanish and 10-point type, at least. And then, of course, the contact information to the Texas Medical Board must be provided to the patient, or even at that point would be a potentially prospective patient. All right. You mentioned record retention. And this is something the TMA Knowledge Center gets a lot of inquiries about. Can you give our listeners some best practices to follow? Records retention. Again, you know, what we're going into is really discussing the things that we're finding in this post-COVID world that is significant and, and really uses a basis for an increase in uh, medical board complaints. And, of course, record retention is, is very important, as you can imagine, as practicing physicians. The record retention is important to staying out of trouble and it's required not just by the board rules, but also by the, the statute itself. A well-documented file, of course, minimizes your risk in the first place, and it makes it easier to act quickly when you know where everything is located, particularly if you happen to suffer from receiving a notice of complaint from the medical board so that you can go and retrieve that information quick. And then, of course, what we urge is that you invest in some type of cloud-based digital file management system or tool, particularly if you're going to be using this kind of telemedicine technology and Troy, what can you add? And speaking as a as a former regulator, I can't stress enough how this issue of records comes up. Um, I saw it time and time in, in the area that, that I worked in for years. And so taking the time, you know, sometimes you might get an illegitimate complaint in terms of the actual substance. But as the regulator is going through, they notice, oh, there is serious records deficiency. So what might otherwise have been a dismissal ends up being some type of action because in the course of trying to see if there's, for example, a standard of care violation, you determine, oh, there's a serious records issue here. So it's really important to take that time, invest in that up front. And it used to make all the difference in the world um, to me as a regulator when I got a well-documented response that showed that license holder had their records, what was required by law, 
and it was all there and it was it, it immediately put the relationship, you know, it's a difficult time for the license holder, but it puts that relationship on a good footing to start off. So I would just really stress and encourage um, taking some time. I know physicians are extremely busy and overworked, but making that effort time up front and investing, whether it's in the staff, an IT provider, whatever you need to do, that'll pay dividends in the long run. So when you say well-documented records, what does that look like? We're, again, guided by law, guided by uh, Chapter 22 of the Texas Administrative Code, Section 165.1. And it lays out what physicians are required to maintain in their records so that they are, quote-unquote, adequate. And that's really what the standard is, is, is adequate. You don't have to, you know, have extra, you know, extra perfect kind of documentation in your file. It just has to be, you know, adequate um, kind of uh, information or at least meet the minimum requirements under the law. And those minimums uh, include, of course, the documentation of the patient care itself, uh, the initial uh, assessment of the patient, uh, the past and the present diagnoses, the rationale for and results of diagnostic and other ancillary services, uh, the patient's progress, uh, including the response to treatments, change in diagnosis and patient's noncompliance, uh, the relevant risk factors, of course, associated with the treatment of that patient, and the written plan of care. Uh, these are, for the most part, the minimal uh, or what's deemed to be adequate um, information that should be provided in the file. Again, the same standard of care applies, whether or not you're dealing with a, uh, uh, using telemedicine technology or, or not. I would definitely say, again, that having those essential components in there is going to be key to making sure that you don't have a records issue. Okay. And how long must records be maintained? Again, citing the, the code section, the Texas Administrative Code, Section 165.1, uh, the code requires that they must be maintained for at least a seven-year period from the date of the last treatment. Or if you're dealing with a patient who is a minor, you have to wait until the age of majority, age of 21 in this case, uh, or whichever is longer, the seven-year period or the moment that they reach the age of 21. And then, of course, there's records destruction obligations that are also key to this as well. At all times, regardless of whether you're retaining uh, records or destroying records, at all times, you must maintain confidentiality of your patient. And that is an extremely important thing to address when dealing with patients and, and really one of the main reasons as well, using telemedicine, why a lot of physicians were getting in trouble uh, in the first place that really had, was new to the technology and really didn't know much about it. And then, of course, only destroying records that relate to the legal proceedings after finally uh, resolving the matter. So you have to retain them up until that period of the legal proceedings. And and what I would say there with, you know, regulators is you know, confidentiality is huge. I worked in an industry where confidentiality is paramount, just like it is for physicians and, and patient-protected information. And you don't want to be on the receiving end of a complaint about, not properly disposing of confidential information or, you know, breaching that confidence. Regulators just take that very seriously. Another frequent question we get is about prescribing in telemedicine and particularly prescribing controlled substances. What are some best practices to keep in compliance with prescription laws? Compliance with prescription laws, um, you know, how does a physician need to address prescriptions in telemedicine and context? 
again, the standards are the same. Uh, there's no extraordinary measures you have to take. There's no extra duties that you have under the law. Again, it's the, it's the reasonable, ordinary physician under the similar circumstances kind of standard of care or standard of practice. And it applies whether it's in-person treatment or telemedicine treatment. Of course, there's two musts under the law. It must uh, be issued for a legitimate medical purpose by a practitioner as part of the, the patient-practitioner relationship. So at all times, it must be justified kind of treatment that you're providing. And of course, you're needing to meet all the applicable laws dealing with the, uh, with the prescriptions, the delivering, the dispensing of the dangerous or controlled substances, or even all medical prescriptions uh, of any kind. Uh, but particularly what, of course, Texas Medical Board is looking at is the controlled substances and the potential misuse of those. And, of course, under law, we're looking at both state and federal laws that apply, uh, that control your use of dangerous or controlled substances. Compliance with prescription law. There are specific prescription obligations that physicians need to follow for special circumstances. And what you're able to do as to the way prescriptions of scheduled drugs are provided is if you are treating a patient with, uh, with chronic pain, the law requires, and you're, of course, prescribing in a scheduled drug of some sort, the law provides and requires that there be a two-way audio-visual equipment used. So you have to make sure that if you're going into telemedicine, you need to really strictly obey and follow the rules governing the technology itself. And that is, again, the use of two-way audio and visual equipment at all times. Now, if for whatever reason you're in the middle of a, of a, uh, of a consultation, uh, with a patient, and your technology fails one way or the other. Either the audio is missed or the video is missed or something, you know, something happens, uh, you know, technologically. You have to immediately cease um, from providing uh, care through telemedicine. So you have to, you know, keep that in mind. And, of course, you know, when it comes down to complainants, um, you know, who's ultimately going to complain about you if something like that were to happen? Well, it's likely the patient, him or herself could likely uh, complain about you. So it's important, again, to watch the, the use of the technology. And how should chronic pain and pain medication uh, be handled in, in the first place? Well, for telemedicine purposes, again, the use of the two-way audio-visual equipment, but there's also exceptions to that. And the three exceptions is, first, they must be an established patient, a well-established patient of yours. They must be receiving the same or the repeat prescription that you provided before from a previous visit, and then third, the patient needs to be seen at least 90 days previous in person or by telemedicine technology. So, uh, so those are the general exceptions when it comes to prescribing scheduled medication. Yeah, and what I would say is, and I know you all know this, uh, you know, physicians hold a license with the DEA as well. And so what I saw in my regulatory practice is there is a lot of crossover with other agencies, state or federal. Um, I was in the real estate regulatory arena during the mortgage crisis and the mortgage fraud. So I saw a lot of instances where regulators were working with other state or federal regulators and even with law enforcement in egregious cases. So you really don't want to have an instance where your regulator is coming in and questioning, okay, why are these prescriptions being written? Why are we doing this in a telemedicine context? You know, we've had some, some clients and cases even recently in this past year where uh, we've specifically been dealing with that issue. So it, it is something that they look at and take very seriously, especially when you're talking about uh, pain medication and controlled scheduled drugs. Tony and Troy, thank you for these quick tips. To our listeners, we hope you found this episode helpful. 
The full presentation Tony and Troy gave at TMA's annual conference, TexMed 2023, is available in the TMA Education Center at www.texmed.org forward slash education. Just look for the do's and don'ts to avoid a Texas Medical Board complaint or click the link in the episode description. Remember to like and follow TMA Practice Well to receive more quick tips and CME2Go episodes. Until next time, stay well.